Are you walking around with a fake spiritual ID? Without God at the center, it can cause us to substitute with things that give us a constantly shifting sense of security and value. Find out where true and lasting worth is found next on Bold Steps. Happiness never comes when you pursue it. Happiness is always a byproduct, a result of pursuing something bigger than us. We're so happy you've chosen to join us for Bold Steps with Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Well, today we begin a new series of messages titled Identity Theft. Now, Mark, we're not talking about social security numbers or bank accounts, but something even more dangerous. <laughs> Absolutely. Although that's a real issue. Yes, identity I know. Theft. But, you know, there's something more compelling when it comes to our personal identity theft of the soul. Mm. And we're going to talk about three Uh, traps that people fall into. One, the pleasure trap. Secondly, the possessions trap. And thirdly, the position trap. All of these three traps are very evident in Luke chapter 4. Can't wait to get into it. Well, just before the message, though, we took a mic out on the street and asked people, what is the main focus of your life? Happiness. Um, To have been of service. I have loved the people that I'm closest to. To have made an impact. Being healthy as you go. (laughs) Getting to heaven. (laughs) Being comfortable. Your relationships with others, particularly your family. Money. Happiness. Peace of mind. Yeah, peace of mind and joy. I'd like to be the boss. Um, Your spirituality. Driving towards stability the most. Friendship. Just general happiness. Pretty basic answer, but happiness. I'd love to be a top seller at my car dealership. Spending your time doing what you love. Finally, people that smile and laugh. Happiness. To be free, man. Love and to be loved. Uh, Seeing my kids do well. Uh, If I end happy, it's just end with a smile and just be, you know, don't end, you know, down on yourself or anything like that. Just, Just be happy. Well, let's get God's perspective on what should be at the center of your life. We're in Luke chapter 4. Here's Mark Joe. One in every six Americans experiences identity theft. How many of you here have had a credit card misused or uh, your identity stolen at one time or another? Just raise your hand if it's happened to you. And how many of you know it is a major headache to try to clean that up? But it's a common practice. People, they they said, shred your important documents because there's people actually that go through your garbage looking for numbers or steal your mail and use your credit card numbers. And nowadays, credit cards come from all over, right? Just sign this paper and get this credit card. And so at ATM machines, they say, make sure you look behind you and beside you so that no one is copying your number. I heard even recently that in some In Europe, it was an issue that people were putting little apparatus in the ATM machines so that anybody who put their number in, they would have a copy of their number. So it has become a major, major problem. People that steal your identity and then spend your money as if they were you. But I believe there's an even more ominous identity theft that's taking place. Much more dangerous, 
much more powerful with much more destructive results. And that's spiritual identity theft. Yeah, yeah, you heard me right. I said spiritual identity theft. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean by spiritual identity theft? I mean when your spiritual identity is being stolen from you and you think you're someone who you're not. Or your identity gets distorted. And let me tell you, the way you think about yourself and the way you think about yourself in relationship to God affects pretty much every area of your life. It affects the way you worship. It affects the way you're married. It affects the way you raise children. It affects the way you spend your money. It affects the way you do ministry or don't do ministry. The way you think about yourself in relationship to God and others affects every single area of your life. And there are people sitting in this auditorium here this morning that you have a distorted view of really who you are because your identity has been stolen. So let's go to Luke chapter 4 and let's learn about this concept that I'm calling spiritually identity theft. And in Luke chapter 4, written by Dr. Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, we find in Luke chapter 4 an account that's called the temptation of Christ. And I believe in you find in this temptation of Christ, the infamous temptation in the wilderness, you find three temptations. And I believe that these three temptations characterize the identity theft that you and I are subject to. Because there's really three traps that you find here in this passage that Jesus was subject to. Number one, it's the pleasure trap. The pleasure trap says this, I'm somebody if I feel good. The second trap that Jesus experienced was the possessions trap. And then you also have the positions trap that Jesus was tempted with. And the positions trap, in essence, says, I am somebody if I have the position. Man, if I could just have that title in front of my name. Man, if I could just have that office, I've had my eye on that office for five years, and if I could just have that office and they could put that nameplate on my door, well, then I would really be somebody. I mean, I would have arrived. It's really all about our identity. And so we see in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus experienced a temptation that all had to do with his identity, and we'll look in just a second Uh, The devil tempted Jesus, and he starts with this. He says, if you are the Son of God, it questions his identity. But before we jump into Luke chapter 4, let me just go a few verses back to Luke chapter 3, verse 21, because it starts with the baptism of Jesus. I want to read to you verse 21. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. You say, Jesus? Yeah, Jesus. Well, why was Jesus baptized? I mean, I thought baptism was a baptism unto repentance where we go into the water and it symbolizes all of our sins are cleansed and we come out of the water and it shows us that we are clean and walking in newness of life. Why did Jesus have to be baptized if he had no sin? 
Well, much of what Jesus did in life, he did it for an example for us to follow. He was 30 years old, and up until those 30 years, we, we know very little about the life of Jesus, only when he was born, and there's a few stories about when he was about two years old and they had to flee to Egypt. And then there's a little glimpse of when he's 12 years old, he's in the temple, but the rest of Scripture is really silent until he's 30 years old. And at 30 years old, he runs into his uh, cousin, John the Baptizer, and he gets baptized right there in the Jordan River. And I want you to hear me well, because this is really our first, the first point I want to make about identity theft. I want you to hear me well. Write this down if you're taking notes. Often, the greatest challenge to our identity will come when we're ready to step out in faith. For those of you that are getting baptized today, let me just say that often it's when you take a major step like baptism or take a step to follow Jesus Christ or take a step of marriage or take a step to, uh, into a new position or take a step of faith. It's often when you're ready to take a major step or have taken a major step in your life, going into a new season of your life, that your identity will be challenged. It doesn't seem like there's much of any major temptation in Jesus' life until he finally goes public with his ministry at the age of 30. And it says, listen to what happens at his baptism. It says he was baptized. And as soon as he was baptized, in verse 21 it says, and he, as he was praying, heaven opened... And the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. So he's praying, and while he's praying, he comes up out of the water, and there's a dove that descends. And it comes upon Jesus, and it's, the it's a physical dove, but it's representative of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if it just hovers over him or it lands on his shoulder or what happens, but the dove was symbolic of now the Holy Spirit is upon you for a new season of your life. And a voice from heaven says, You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. I love that. That as soon as Jesus took his first step of public ministry, God the Father wanted to make sure that he understood, you are my son. I am your father. Secondly, hey, I want you to understand I love you deeply. And thirdly, I want you to understand I am well pleased with you. I delight in you. Wow, what a powerful words coming from a father, right? You are my son. I love you, and I am well pleased. There are some people, there are some guys in this auditorium here, you've never heard those from your father. You've never heard your father say, hey, you're my son, and I'm proud of it. You've never heard your father say, I love you, son. And you've never heard your father say, you know what? I am proud of you. I am pleased in you. That's identity. That shapes who we are. God the Father was speaking to Jesus the Son and he was making sure that from the very beginning he had a sense of who he was, a sense of identity as he went into his public ministry with the Father. But I want you to note the very, the very thing, the thing that happens immediately after he's taking this major step of going public. 
The Bible tells us that, uh, that in verse 23, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, and he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Notice what happens, then it gives a genealogy, and in, in John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He comes up out of the water, man, he is pumped. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's rejoicing. God is with them. He senses for the first time in his life that he's going public with his ministry. His destiny and his call is being, beginning to be fulfilled. Listen, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by whom? Who is he led by? The Spirit into the desert. Now, do you remember what happened in the desert? Wasn't the desert the place where he was tested and tempted? It, was, it says, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Wait, 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 back up a second. Now, who led him into the desert? The Holy Spirit. And what happened in the desert? He was tested and tempted for 40 days. You mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit led him to the desert of testing and temptation? Exactly. You know, sometimes God leads us to the place where we have to be tested. Sometimes we go through testing and we say, Oh, God, what have I done wrong? Where did I need to miss your will? What happened to me? No, maybe you're right in the center of God's will, the place of testing. listening to Bold Steps, a lesson about spiritual identity theft from Mark Job, and we've got more coming up. But real quick, I want to remind you that the place to go if you ever miss one of these daily messages is on our website, boldstepsradio.org. You can even access these messages through your smart speakers at home or in the office by following these commands with Alexa, Alexa, enable Moody Radio, then Alexa, open Moody Radio, and Alexa, play Bold Steps from Moody Radio. Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. From Moody Radio. Or listen wherever you are by subscribing to the Bold Steps podcast and listen straight from your phone for easy listening on the go. You'll find us on most podcast apps by searching for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. And if you'd like even more Bold Steps content, be sure to subscribe to the new Bold Steps Minute where you'll find daily encouragement and insight from Mark in under a minute. To start listening today, just visit boldstepsminute.org. Or subscribe to your podcast app and get these convenient teachings downloaded automatically straight to your phone. Now, let's return to our lesson for today. Here again is Mark Job with his message titled, The Pleasure Trap. You see, what you need to understand is that sometimes it's God who leads you to the testing place. It's God who wants to lead you to a place where your faith is going to be tempted and tested. Now I want you to hear me well. God is not the author of temptation, but God does allow us to go through times of testing in our life. Someone says, well, God was tempting me. No, God never tempts you to do evil, but God does allow testing in our life. Are you tracking with me? Say, well, God was tempting me to sin. No, God doesn't tempt you to sin, but he does allow you to be tested. Well, you know, I was sitting there in church and, you know, this girl with the miniskirt walked in. God was leading. No, no, God they had nothing to do with that miniskirt. You know, that, that had nothing to do with God. God allows you to be tested, but God 
does not tempt you to evil. So I run into some people that think that God is sort of a trickster. He's, tr- he's looking to try to get us. All right, let me see if I can get them over here, get them over there. No, God doesn't do that to you. you got a warped view of God because God never is trying to t- trick you to do evil. But God will lead you sometimes to a place where your faith is severely tested. And so if you're in the middle of a test right now of your faith and your identity is being tested and you're going through a tough time, don't just assume that you're out of the will of God. Don't just assume that you missed the mark somewhere because you could be in the center of the will of God, led by the Holy Spirit, but yet you're going through a time of severe testing of your faith in the center of the will of God. The second thing I want you to understand about identity theft is the first thing I want you to understand is often the greatest challenge to our identity will come when we're ready to step out in faith at our baptism. The second one is just because your faith is being tested and identity is being challenged doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. The third one is this. All temptation begins by the questioning of our position and our identity in God. Do you realize that all of temptation starts by questioning or tempting your position? Look what happens in this passage. The Bible tells us here that when Jesus had fasted for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, of course, he was hungry. Now, Some people think that fasting is a, if you've never fasted before, you think, well, fasting is going to be this super high-charged spiritual experience. I'm going to fast the first day, and I'm just going to feel this spiritual connection with God. I'm going to fast the second day, and I'm just going to have revelation of the Word when I read it. It's just going to pop up. And after the third day of fasting, I'm going to be like on a spiritual high. You know, just, wow, am I spiritual. And after a week of fasting, I'm going to feel like, man, I have no carnality in me. I'm all spiritual. And I got this tremendous times of worship and blessing God. And if you fasted, you know that it doesn't always work that way, right? The first day you fast, you're just crabby because you want to eat. The second day, you're even crabbier because now you're hungry and you're tired. By the third day, people don't even want to be around you. I mean, you're just cranky and crabby because you're, because you're used to that food comfort and you want to eat and, and, and your wife's telling you, no, no, stop fasting because you're so in the flesh right now. You're just cranky and crabby. And, but you see, here's what's happening. During the first season, first few days of fasting, you're fighting with the flesh. Your body's used to food and, and, and satisfying itself. And there's a testing time. There's a battle time. And my experience is that really not until the fourth or fifth day of fasting do you really experience that battle getting over uh, some of this stuff. And, and it's after the fourth or fifth day of fasting, in my experience, that you really can start to pray in a new way and really get a lot out of it because fasting, you're tested when you're fasting. Jesus had fasted 40 days, and at the end of the 40th day, the Bible says that the devil said to him, you say, well, how did the devil show up to him? Well, it doesn't tell us. 
It doesn't tell us if it was a voice in his head, but we know the temptation of the devil came to him, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, wait a second. If you are the Son of God? Yeah, if you are the Son of God. What is he testing? His identity. You see, God had already told him, you are the Son of God, and I am pleased in you, and I love you. And now the devil is saying, hey, if you really are the Son of God, because I'm not sure you don't look like the Son of God, you don't dress like the Son of God, hey, you have no palace, you have no riches, man, you look like a peasant from Galilee is what you look like. So if you really are the Son of God, if this is really your identity, then here's what I want you to do. If you are the Son of God, then... Tell this stone to become bread. You know what this first temptation is all about? It's about the pleasure trap. The pleasure trap tells us this. You have legitimate needs. And you are somebody only when you are satisfied. And if you're not satisfied, you're not somebody. You see, you have legitimate needs and you have the right to fulfill those legitimate needs. You see, was Jesus hungry? Sure. 40 days, he's hungry. Did did he have needs in his life? Sure. He had need. He craved food because he, he was human. 40 days of no eating. So here's how it works. The devil says, see that rock? I want you to turn that rock into bread. Now, after you've been fasting for a while, man, everything, everything starts kind of looking and smelling like food. Because you start smelling food and seeing food and dreaming about food. Why? Because your body has a need. Because your body's saying, hey, feed me. So the devil says, hey, you see that rock, man? Can't you see the bread there? Why don't you use your power to turn that rock into a piece of bread? Because after all, aren't you the Son of God? And if you are the Son of God, shouldn't your needs be met and satisfied if you are the Son of God? Because if you're somebody, then you have the right to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied if you really are somebody. It's a great challenge today to look at ourselves and ask, what pleasures are we allowing to become our identity, perhaps instead of God? We'll continue this message, The Pleasure Trap, when we return for tomorrow's edition of Bold Steps with Mark Job. But before then, we encourage you to take a moment to visit our website and check out some of the special resources and opportunities we have available. Just go to boldstepsradio.org. One resource you'll definitely want to check out is this month's exclusive edition of The Bold Step Gift, It's a resource that's especially helpful for married couples, young or old. And to tell us more about it, here again is Mark. Has your marriage been feeling a little joyless? As though some of the spark and fun you used to have has suddenly begun to dwindle? If so, you're not alone. There are many couples facing the same struggle. But most importantly, you're not without hope. In their book, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi lay out a step-by-step process to help make joy a regular experience in your home. Healthy marriages are filled with moments of laughter, love, and happiness. 
And this kind of joy-filled relationship isn't reserved for just a handful of special couples. It's God's design for each and every marriage, including yours. So if you're looking for ways to stir more joy into your relationship, let us send you a copy of this incredibly helpful resource. Again, the book is called Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. And we'll send you a copy today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. To do that, go online to boldstepsradio.org to make your donation and request this Bold Step gift. Or call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send your financial gift through the mail by writing to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And here at the start of this new year, we have so many opportunities to do more for the sake of the gospel. So we invite you to join us in our efforts to spread God's word through this radio program by becoming a bold partner. By signing up to give on a monthly basis with whatever amount you feel led to, you'll be helping create the steady support we need to continue producing and distributing these Bible teachings across the globe. And when you sign up to give $30 a month or more, you'll also get the Moody Publishers discount code of 50%. This will get you half off every devotional, Bible study, and kids book at the Moody Publishers website. So sign up to become a bold partner today at boldstepsradio.org or call 844-615-7363. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. That's all our time for today. But be sure to join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message, The Pleasure Trap. It's coming up Wednesday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.